Well, good morning and welcome to Gateway. We're glad that you're here with us this morning, especially if it's your first time. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us and glad to have you here. Uh, my name is Brian Dillon. I'm the campus minister at our Taze Valley campus, and I've been here several times, but if this is uh, your first time, then I'm glad to be able to be here with you. I'm glad to bring the, uh, be able to bring this message this morning and uh, you know, that is, that, what I just said is normally what I say every Sunday. You know, glad that you're here with us, especially if it's your first time. And I never really realized uh, that my son was listening. My son, Judah, is six, and uh, we were at the doctor a couple weeks ago, and they were having uh, a parents' night out at our Taze Valley campus that night. And so uh, he was, uh, we told his nurse that at the doctor, and she was jokingly kind of saying, hey, can I come too, knowing that it was just for kids. And he said, uh, well, no, but my daddy always says, uh, thanks for coming. We're glad it's your first time, so you can come and be with the adults. And I was like, didn't even know he was listening. He's a better evangelist than I am. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, that childlike kind of uh, faith is kind of what we're going to be talking about this morning you know, we're, we're kicking off, uh, we've been going through December here with a series of messages uh, brought to you by myself, and uh, last week you had Russ from Beckley, and then next week Pastor Dave will be back. And what this really sets up is some sort of like a voting system. Uh, you'll see three sermons performed by uh, three different people, and you can choose who you think is the best. And so on Christmas Eve, uh, we'll have a vote, and you'll vote for Dave, but that's okay. Uh, as long as I'm in the middle, because I know Russ will be at the bottom, and uh, I was glad that he came here first because he set the bar real low, and then I could just kind of come right in the middle and just be average, and that would be okay. You know, this, this Christmas season, one thing we decided, the three of us, is that we could all use a little bit more joy. We, wanted, we decided that we could use some great joy this Christmas season, and uh, you know, it kind of worked out for me because uh, we, when we went home for Thanksgiving to, to Columbus, both of our families live up in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, Ashley's brother, that's my wife, uh, he actually uh, works at a church up there, and they were an Operation Christmas Child drop-off location, and so they got free shirts. So I walked in, he said, Brian, you want a shirt? I said, by all means, yes, I'll never turn down a free shirt. Might go to Goodwill pretty soon, but okay. And then I looked at it, and I was like, well, this is perfect. Great joy. That's what we're preaching on in December. So uh, here I have my great joy. Yes, I am wearing it every week, uh, but the beauty is I can wear the same outfit. Nobody will know because uh, I'm preaching at three different places. So this is really working out for me. Uh, you know, our, our world today is wrapped in, in so much negativity and unending arguments and a growing feeling of hopelessness, even amongst Jesus followers. And it used to be that there were safe places where that didn't exist. Like we just took a break from, from arguing with, that, with each other and hating on each other. And we said, you know what, the holidays are off limits. You know, we'll just stop for a while and then we'll come back to it. But now it feels like even those places have been overcome with darkness. You know, Christmas used to be a time of great anticipation of, of holiday cheer and immense joy. But I think that our stressful lifestyles lead to us dreading this time of year because our schedules, they become busier. We experience more loneliness. The days are shorter and the weather is colder, colder. And well, we could all just use a little bit more joy this Christmas season. Amen. One of the greatest things about having kids is seeing them experience things so innocently, innocently and for the first time. 
They haven't become jaded by past disappointment. They haven't experienced the pain of rejection. They truly believe in the best outcomes. And I I think for many of us, we wish we could go back and see things like a child does. To believe that anything is possible and to have a sense of awe and wonder about things that have lost their magic to us as adults. And Christmas is one of those things for many of us. Instead of being filled with joy and anticipation, we're filled with stress and dread. We hate the songs. We groan over putting up the lights. We loathe the thought of being with that part of our family. And sometimes we can view Christmas as more of a nuisance than a celebration. Well, this year I would invite you to change all of that. To try and regain some of that childlike awe and wonder that you once had. And I don't just mean the lights or the cookies or the Hallmark movies. I invite you to regain your awe and wonder of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And just like all of those other things, it might mean that we have to go back and start seeing things like a child once more. You know, there's an interesting story in Mark chapter 10. There are some parents who are bringing their children to Jesus, whether it be just so that he can pray over them or maybe just lay a hand on them. And as they come, the disciples, they stop them. They're like, no, 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 get out of the way. Come on, make way, make way, get out of the way. Do you understand? This is the son of God. He is so important. He's too important to deal with you kids. Get him out of here. Get him out. But Jesus was like, whoa, guys, wait, what are you doing? Hold on just a minute here. And he turns it into a teaching moment for them. And so starting in Mark 10, verse 13, we read, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus was saying, I want you to have faith in me, faith in God, just like a little child would, to believe with the purity and simplicity of faith, just like a little child. And my hope is that we can regain the excitement, the joy, the awe and wonder we felt as kids that surrounds the Christmas story. And it's not just because of the lights or or the bows or the presents under the tree. I hope we can marvel at the birth of our Savior, that we might not take it for granted any longer. That we might feel what the people felt as the shepherds relayed the story to them of Christ's birth, that silent night. The astonishment they experienced as they heard the great news of the Messiah's birth. Check out Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they, the shepherds, spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I mean, there's a lot of joy there. There's a lot of astonishment. There is awe and wonder there. May we regain some of that this Christmas season. This morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles with you here this morning, you can turn there, and I'll meet you there in just a few moments. Now, many of you have read or heard this scripture before, especially this time of year. Maybe you read this every Christmas season. 
This morning, I want you to imagine that you're hearing this story for the first time. Maybe, like you, were a little child. The scripture teaches us that an angel of the Lord, and listen, I don't want you to just hear that and just kind of skim over it. We have a tendency to do that when we read something over and over, but we're talking about an angel of the Lord, like a real, full-on, brilliant angel is there. And if you saw an angel, I mean, I know you would be pulling out your phone and be snapping pics for Instagram, right? Like you couldn't upload it fast enough. Look at what's going on, guys. I got an angel here. Except people will be like, all I see is a bright white light. What are you talking about? It's, you're, it's completely flooded out with white. What are you, and you'd be like, no, it's an angel. And they're like, yeah, sure it is, right? Nobody would believe you. But it's an angel. An angel of the Lord shows up, appears to a teenage girl named Mary who is a virgin. And Luke tells us about it in Luke chapter 1, verses 28 through 37. Luke says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I don't know how many people might have kids, they come and they try to, they give you this greeting, you're like, there's a string attached to this, right? Like Mary's feeling like, boy, an angel's here and said, I'm highly favored, what's coming next? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Now, I'm kind of bummed because verse 37 used to read a little bit differently. If you grew up with the NIV, you you know that it used to say, for nothing is impossible with God. The King James still does, and I'm not a big translation loyalist uh, by any means, but I just think that for nothing is impossible with God sounds better than for no word of God will ever fail. Both are definitely true, but especially coming off of verse 36, where a woman that was considered barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God just sounds better. And it goes better with my message this morning. But why? Why? Why is nothing impossible with God? Because all of a sudden, 700-year-old prophecies are about to unfold. God is going to do something that no human being could ever do. What is impossible for man is possible for God. Through a young virgin girl, God would become flesh and dwell in this world. And the angel declares the truth that I pray that you and I will believe like a child that nothing is impossible with our God. This morning, I want to look at the omnipotence of our God. That means the all-powerful God. Now, you're not going to find the word omnipotent in the Bible, but what you will find is about 350 instances of the word almighty and all-powerful. And this word is only used of God. And so so this morning, I want to look at the incredible power of our God. Because a child would look in awe and wonder at all that our God can do and say, my God can do anything. There's nothing impossible with my God. What is impossible with man is totally and completely possible with my God. My God can do anything. 
Why is this so important? Well, I can guarantee you that right now, at this moment, there are many of you who are facing impossible challenges in your life, significant trials, situations that you don't know how to get out of, and you genuinely need the power of God to show up in your life. You need the God who can do anything. Because if the truth of the matter is, you're either coming out of a hard time, you're in the middle of a hard time, or you're about to go into a hard time. That's kind of sad, but it's true. Whether it's directly you or maybe it's the people that are around you. There are marriages that are falling apart and, and struggling, and they really need the miraculous work of God. Maybe you're in extreme financial pain, under tremendous financial pressure, so much so that it's even affecting your health. Maybe you have a teenager or even an adult child that, that keeps making bad decisions. They just can't seem to take the right path. Maybe it's a health issue, a health scare that you don't know what the future holds for you. Whatever it is, you're here this morning and you really need the power of God. And I know that there are those of you either in your life or in the lives of people that are close to you that really need the faith to believe in a God who says, with me, all things are possible. This morning, we want to help you regain a childlike awe and wonder of our God. We want to help you build your faith like a child to believe that all things truly are possible with God. See, many times we think, I can't, I can't do anything about this. I, I don't know what to do here. But a childlike faith believes that my God can. In Jeremiah 32, 17, the prophet Jeremiah says, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And every now and then, you just need to look at the glory of creation. Look outside. Just take a moment and slow down. Look at the, the beaches or the mountains or, or a sunrise or a sunset and say, Wow, my God did that. With his spoken words, he created all that I see. He created this world. And when I see that all, all that he can do with his power, it makes me say that nothing is too hard for you, God. When I see how all the little details of our bodies work together, how even the smallest intricacies have a purpose, I'm struck with awe and wonder of our God. And when I see him heal the sick or repair the broken or bring the prodigals home, I'm reminded that my God can. I love when I see the faith of a little child who believes with just that simple purity that my God can do anything. There is nothing impossible with my God. And not only will a child believe in a God that can, but that childlike faith believes that my God will. That type of faith believes that not only can my God do it, but that my God will do it. I love the faith of a little child in the Old Testament back when armies would often battle. Occasionally what would happen is one side would send out their strongest and best warrior. And this warrior would then call out and challenge the strongest and best from the opposing army. And those two would duel and whichever one would win would determine the army that takes the victory. And that's exactly what happened when the Philistines and the Israelites were about to battle. The biggest and strongest Philistine, maybe you've heard of him, a giant named Goliath comes out at the beginning of the day. He looks at the Israelite army and he says, anybody want some of this? And the Israelites look at each other and they're like, uh, nope, nope, maybe you go, you go. No, I, I, I ain't going. We're good. 
day after day this would take place, Goliath would come out and say, anybody want a piece of me? And they say, no, we're all right. We're, we'll just stand here. But then one day, guess who took up the challenge? A young boy who should have been off tending sheep, but just so happened to believe that his God was bigger than the giant opposing him that day. He had too much awe and wanted to know any better. This boy comes and says, who are you to come against the armies of the living God? And even the, the king of his own people thought he was crazy. He thought, what are you doing? King Saul says, go home, little boy. You're too young. You're too small. But David said, no, I am not. Let me and my God at this giant. 1 Samuel 17, 45 and 46. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. See, when everybody else thought that Goliath was too big to beat, David came and said, with my God, he's too big to miss. Give me some stones and move out of the way. David took the giant down that day because he did not just believe that his good God could, but he also believed that his God would. Now, the problem for many of us who grew up around Christianity is we believe in a God who can. But when it comes to you, you might not believe that God will. You believe God might do it for somebody else. I, yeah, I, I'll pray for you. I believe that he'll show up for you, but you don't believe that God will do it for you. Maybe you've, you've heard about things on Facebook or you've heard about people experiencing God doing really incredible things in their life over there. But you just don't think that God's going to do it way over here in my life. But the child has the faith to believe that not only my God can, but that my God will. And I pray today that if you face something that is difficult to you, that you'll have the faith to believe in a God that can, that all things are possible with our God, and you'll also have the personal faith and relationship to believe in a God that will. Not just that he can, but that he will, and that this will go deep into your soul, that you'll totally and completely believe in a God who says, with me, all things are possible. But this morning, I want to ask you this question. What do you do when you know that he can and you believe that he will, but he doesn't? What do you do? What do you do when you really do have the faith of a child and you have seen God do bigger things than you're asking for and you know it's got to be his plan and it would be so easy, God, and it would make my life so much different and God, it would be such a great story. I could show your glory and you ask him and you believe and he doesn't. What do you do? Christmas at our house is always really special, especially as my boys get older and get more excited for what Christmas brings and what it is. I mean, we love Christmas at our house. I've had to make an agreement with my wife 
uh, to hold off until November 1st to put up our Christmas tree because she would have it up all year round if I would let her. Several times during the year, she asked if I want to come home and put the Christmas tree up. Like we have to have an understanding. Uh, But you know, I I think she gets it honestly because this is what her uh, dad looks like. Uh, And so I guess it runs in the family. Uh, that's my father-in-law, Dan, and, uh, but he, it's amazing. He's been doing this for a while. He's actually retired from his day job, and so he does this uh, a lot of weekends around this time of year, and uh, the really cool thing about it is he does this, and then he donates all the money, 100%, to uh, Toys for Tots, and so he just does it all for charity, uh, and it's one of those things that you know, God made him that way, and he's using it to bless other people, and uh, he's just, he's a really good guy. But I think that's where all the Christmas spirit maybe comes from for my wife because she grew up around it. And maybe you can relate with my family and I. At your house, Christmas is a special time of the year. And, and, you know, although I mentioned at the beginning that it feels more stressful during this month of December, there's just something that feels different about this time of year. But what do you do when the Christmas season is instead filled with sadness? Because years ago, you lost a grandmother or a father, maybe it was a friend or or a child at Christmas time, and your heart still breaks when you think about those memories. What do you do when this is the first year you're alone after the divorce? What do you do when tears fill your eyes every time you see that ornament or you think about cutting the cookies or when you think of just about putting up the tree? What do you do when any sense of awe and wonder is overcome with pain and loneliness? What do you do when you know that God can, you believe that he will, and he doesn't? I want you to think about Mary for a minute. We read her story at the beginning, and I want you to try, if you can, not just to think about it like it's another year of hearing the Christmas story, but I want you to think about it as if it was personal to you. And if you're a parent, I want you to think about Jesus being your child. You know how much you love your kids? I love my kids so much it hurts. My boys, I love them so much. I want to squeeze them. I got a girl on the way here in a few months, and I'm going to love her just as much. If you're a parent, you know what that's like. Now imagine if your kid was perfect and never sinned. I mean, really imagine that. How much less fighting would there be at your house? My, my boys fight all the time. And I, I'm like, man, if, if only one of you would just stop sinning, I think it would like really cut down the stress in my life. Or, or imagine if you had multiples and, and then only one didn't sin. You'd be like, I know I'm not supposed to play favorites, but, th- but Jesus, man, he never messes up. He's always helping out around the house. I mean, come on, this one is special, right? I mean, I think I can play favorites on this one. And imagine the cost that Mary paid when she said to the angel or or to God, may it be done unto me according to your word. I don't know, did she really know? Mary, did you know what you were saying yes to here? Mary, did you know what you were about to go through she was a virgin who was, who was not married and then became pregnant. Imagine, imagine the side glances, the, the, the gossiping behind her back. Did you see she's pregnant? She's not married yet. I mean, can you believe she did that? And then on top of that, when they ask her about it, she goes, oh, yeah, the baby's God's. Oh, come on. You couldn't come up with something better than that. 
<laughs> really, did you, did you mess around with here? Come on. And imagine during a time where that would make you an immoral outcast. Imagine the pain that she must have endured, knowing that she was just fulfilling God's plan, yet the world wasn't receiving it that way. And imagine her saying yes to God, to raise the Son of God, and watching her son after living a perfect, sinless life where he just loved the people, watching her son brutally tortured and abused, beaten beaten so badly that his face didn't even look like a human face anymore. His body so bloody by being whipped with, with lashes with most likely glass and stone in it that his internal organs were probably exposed when they took his back and put him up on the cross. Imagine the horror of sitting there and watching this, being his mom when he, she watched them drive the stakes in. And don't you think that she had the faith to believe that my, God, that my God can stop this? I know that he can. Any mom alive would have asked God, stop this, please. Any other way, make this happen. I mean, Jesus even prayed in the garden. If there's any other way, let's do it that way. May this cup be removed from me. And yet, even though she knew God could do anything, she believed that he would show up. He didn't, because that wasn't the plan. There's a tremendous childlike faith that believes that my God can. And there's an even bigger childlike faith that believes that my God will. But I believe the deepest kind of childlike faith is a childlike faith that believes, even if he doesn't, I still believe. Even if God doesn't do what I think he should and know he could, I believe in a God whose ways are higher than mine. I believe in a God who is for me, not against me. I believe in a God who is with me, who will never abandon me. I believe in a God who forgives me, not condemns me. I believe in a God who is good. I believe in a God who is working all things to bring about the good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And my faith in God is not based on what he does. My faith in God is based on who he is. I know him so intimately that my faith is big enough to handle a no because I do believe that my God can. He is all-powerful. He is almighty. And I do believe that he will because he is a personal God who loves me. But even if he doesn't, I have faith like the three Hebrew children in the Old Testament that stood their ground in the fiery furnace that day. And when King Nebuchadnezzar said, everybody bow down and worship this idol, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no go. The king said, bow down now. And they said, nope, we're not going to do it. And the king said, if you do not, I am throwing you into that fiery furnace over there. And these three children believe that my God can and my God will. And even if he doesn't, I still believe. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Look at that next part. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Even if he does not, we will not bow down. We believe our God can. We believe our God will. But even if he doesn't, we still believe. 
Because if God can bring the Savior of the world through a virgin, then we serve a God who truly can do anything. My God can, my God will, and even if he doesn't, I still believe. This Christmas season, I I don't know where you are. I don't know what baggage you walked in here with this morning. I don't know what you're going through, what you're dealing with. Maybe you love Christmas, and this is your time of year. You love all of it, the music, the decorations, the holly, the jolly, all of it. You are in your world right now, and you are loving it. Or maybe it brings about so many bad memories that you just wish it would go away and never come back. But what I do know is that no matter what's happened in the past, or no matter how much you decorate, no matter how many cookies you eat, nothing can change the fact that God sent his son to this earth so that we could all have eternal life. And regardless of the superficial stuff that comes with Christmas, there is a joy, there is an awe and wonder that surrounds Christmas because of the birth of Christ that led to him paving the way to a place where there will be no more tears or no more pain or no more lonely holidays. Because my God can do anything. And I know that because he defeated the grave. He overcame this world so that I might not perish but have eternal life. And that is awesome and wonderful. And it brings me great joy this Christmas season. You know, earlier in the first service, we were singing, Oh, Come All You Faithful. That's one of my favorite songs. Going all the way back to Carol Brady getting her voice back miraculously on Christmas morning. Shout out to the Brady Bunch. I love that song. So we're singing that this morning, and I've never even know, I don't know that I've ever even noticed the cross above the screen. But as I'm singing, oh, come let us adore him, my eyes go up and focus on the cross. Because without the cross, without Jesus' defeat in the grave, what we're celebrating right now wouldn't matter. We wouldn't be celebrating this. It's because he came out of the grave that the birth even mattered in the first place. Without the cross, without the tomb, he would have just been a fake. The shepherds would have just been spreading fake news, right? Nobody, nobody would have cared. They would have said, oh, there was that one guy that people believed in, but then we killed him and it was over. No, when he came out of the grave, the world changed forever. And that is why we celebrate Christmas. So, oh, come, let us adore him, not because of the birth, but because of the cross. I hope you hear that truth this morning. And this Christmas season, no matter where you're at, you believe in a God that can, believe in a God that will, and even if he doesn't, you still believe, because no matter where you're at, God sent his one and only son to die for you so that you might have eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful for your love this morning. I mean, we can't thank you enough for your love that even while we were still sinners, even while we were still lost, you found us and you sent your son Jesus to go to the cross for each one of us so that we may not, have per- we may not perish but have eternal life. Father, this morning I pray for those that have come and are struggling this Christmas season. I know this time of year is really hard for people. And sometimes it just feels like the culmination of everything coming to a head. 
Father, I pray that if we're lacking great joy this Christmas season, that we would focus on the cross, that we focus on the, on the grave that Jesus walked out of, and that we would take heart, for he has overcome the world. And he's given us a hope that extends beyond all the loss, beyond all the tears of this world, so that we may spend eternity with you. Father, I pray that we would have a faith that believes that you can, that believes that you will, and most of all believes that even when you don't show up like we think you should, you're still there, that your ways are higher, and that you still love us. Father, we thank you so much for that immense love that you have for each of us. We thank you for your grace that comes through Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you've never made the decision to make Jesus the king of your life, to make him the Lord of your life over all your decisions, over all the paths of your life, to trust in him that no matter what happens, he's still there, that he still went to the cross for you. If you've never made that decision before, it's the greatest decision you can ever make. And there's no better day than today to come forward and say, I'm done. I can't do it by myself anymore. I'm broken and I need a savior. And today, this day, I want to come forward and say, from this day forward, I'm a new creation in Christ. To go into the waters of baptism and come out a new creation, we can celebrate with you that you've made this immense incredible decision and to spend the rest of your life saying it's not always going to be easy but at least I know I have eternal life that goes beyond this because Jesus is the way the truth and the life he is the only way to the father so if you've never made a decision boy I hope you'll come forward and say I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior maybe you come this morning and you've heard a lot of this about the pain that the holidays bring whether it's the 10th year that you've gone through this or the 10th day that you're going through it. Sometimes life is really hard, especially hard during the holidays. All the traditions are great. We love it. We love to get excited. But then when there's a loss, sometimes those memories just bring pain instead. And so if you're here this morning, maybe it has nothing to do with the holidays. Maybe you've been struggling with something for a while. I ask that you come. Let us pray for you. Joel and I are right down front here. We would love to pray with you. God gave us this incredible gift of prayer to come to him and say, I give it up to you. I cast my cares, my anxieties, my burdens over to you. And I don't know what you're going to do, but I believe that you can. I believe that you will. I believe that you're there. So we can offer whatever's going up, offer it up to him and involve God in whatever situation you might be going through. We'd love to pray with you this morning. If you have a decision to make, or if you just need some prayer, Joel and I are right down front. We'd love to talk to you. I just ask that we all stand and sing our final song together.